Hey, it's Maribel, just checking in. While I'm on break, I promised that I would share some of my favorite episodes with you. This is not an episode from Diferente. This is actually an episode that I was a guest on, and it's called Café con Pam podcast. And in this episode, we talked a little bit about my childhood and my journey as an immigrant in the United States. Like what it was like for me to deal with quirky questions such as, what are you? If you've ever been asked this question, you totally understand where I'm coming from. And you know what it's like to have to live a code switching kind of life. Which is why I'm so grateful for the amazing opportunity of getting to share some of my story on Pam's podcast. And remember how I've been talking about getting a little bit uncomfortable and being more honest and vulnerable? Well, here I am sharing some of that vulnerability with you through my story. I hope that you get to know me a little bit better by listening to this episode. Full disclosure, we actually recorded this episode a year ago when I was still living in South Florida. So you'll hear me talk about that a little bit. Don't get confused. Yes, we moved a few months later to Phoenix, Arizona. And yes, a few things have changed. I am happier in Phoenix, Arizona. Sorry, Florida. But it just wasn't meant to be. And it's not you. Well, it's not me either. It's a lot of things. But that's not what this episode is about. So without further delay, here's my episode with Pam Covarrubias from Café con Pam podcast. Thank you, Maribel, for being here at Café con Pam. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien. Muchas gracias por invitarme. Y I guess I should switch to English now. <laughs> it's a pleasure. No, it's a pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, we're in complete opposite coasts. So you're in Florida, right? I am. We're in South Florida. So my husband and I moved to Fort Lauderdale, Miami, that area, just about seven months ago. Not very long. How do you like we it? We haven't been here very long. We like it. We like it a lot because it's warm which is perfect for me because I was so sick of the winter. We, we moved down here from Columbus, Ohio. Okay. We love it. The weather is fantastic. You can't beat it. I even like the humidity. It's very good on my skin. <laughs> and you're a curly girl. So does and my curly hair. hair. I, yeah, honestly. Some people are like, oh, what's happening to your hair? Are you worried about the frizz? No, it's so much better for my hair. It's very moisturized and just fantastic. So we're liking it a lot, but I haven't quite made a community yet. I haven't found new friends. So that's the part that I'm struggling with a little bit, to be honest. Okay, so let's backtrack before we get to the present. Let's backtrack a little. <laughs> so what's your heritage? Okay, so I was born in Mexico City and Ciudad de Mexico. Mm -hmm. I have a brother and a sister. We lived in Mexico City till I was about, I think, eight and a half. And then we moved to Aguascalientes, which is central Mexico. Some people might have heard of it through the movie Fool's Rush In with Salma <laughs> Hayek and Matthew Perry. <laughs> oh, Aguascalientes, claro, claro. Yeah, her family was from Aguascalientes. And we always made fun of that movie because they made it look like this super dinky, tiny town. Tiny yeah. town. And it's not. It's a city. It's beautiful. I mean, it's a state and a city. The city's within the state. It's a beautiful place. I highly recommend visiting. Anyway, so my mom's family's from Aguascalientes and we moved to Aguascalientes for about three years. Okay. Then we moved to the United States. We moved to Columbus, Ohio when I was 12 and a half. Did you move out of the city, out of Ciudad de Mexico because of the violencia? That's a really good question. Yes, the violence was there. So when we were in Mexico City, I think the main concern was... La contaminación, so the smog, it was bad. 
And also just like the traffic and the cost of living. Plus, my dad really wanted to explore new opportunities. He's a civil engineer. And just the construction business wasn't doing great at that time. The economy wasn't doing great either. So in Aguascalientes, we had a strong support system and we decided to move because mainly because of that. I think it was primarily an economic reason, but also more of like, a let's find a more peaceful place yeah. to live. And so that was the main reason why we went. We were super excited. My my sister and I, I don't know about my brother. I've never asked him because he had just graduated high school when we moved. So you're what number in siblings? I'm the youngest one. You're the baby. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when we moved, we were super excited because we're very close to our cousins mm. and our extended family. We're that family that gets together every Thursday night for dinner in, during the school year, usually, sometimes they take breaks nowadays. But <laughs> when we were growing up, we got together every Thursday night for dinner or every Thursday afternoon, a la hora de la comida. And everybody, all of the cousins and aunts and uncles, and we have a very big family. We're 32 cousins, first cousins, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us. And so we were super happy because we consider our cousins our friends, our best friends. And that was a great, just a great opportunity to be with our family and get to know each other even better. Mm -hmm. So it was a good time. It was a really good three years, full of very interesting experiences that some other time maybe we can talk about just <laughs> some of them life-changing experiences. Like what? Just give us one. <laughs> of course, you're going to ask me that. <laughs> so one, okay. So we lived out in the country of Aguascalientes. So okay. when you watch Fools Rush In, we did actually live in some in a place that kind of kind of looked like that. <laughs> but you could actually drive there. Yeah, you didn't have to ride a donkey like Matthew Perry does. <laughs> right. Um. So we did live in the outskirts, which now is not really the outskirts That's anymore because the city has grown so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now it's like a suburb. So we lived in the outskirts, and we didn't have a phone line. It was kind of secluded. My mom loved it. She called it paraíso, yes. paradise. And we had a horse. We had two dogs. We had geese and some cats because <laughs> we had a lot of room. But basically, you know, things were cool. The phone thing wasn't so big of an issue until one day, one horrible, horrible day, we came home. My parents were away and we had stayed with my aunt and we came home from school one day to just pick up some things because we had left the house, obviously, to stay with my aunt. We come home, all the doors are open and a lot of her stuff is missing. <gasps> so obviously the house was broken into and there was no alarm. I mean, back then, no alarm yeah. system. We're in the country. We had no neighbors. Oh my God. So no one saw, you know, who's going to call anybody if right. they don't see it? No one sees it. So basically whoever did it was taking us out and they knew that the house was Whatever the, you had in there, yeah. The sad thing is that the house wasn't really empty. That the scary part and the part that still haunts me to this day is that we had a, I guess you would call her a housekeeper <gasps> who lived with us during the week. And she stayed there while my sister and I were at my aunt's house. And when we came home, she was gone that day. She wasn't there. Now, we pray and hope, and my sister and I talk about this all the time, like we hope that she ran when she got scared and hopefully got home safe. There's a theory that maybe she was in on it. Who knows? And then 
basically, I just hope that nothing bad happened to her, whatever the situation was. But we never heard from her again. And so I think no that's why. No way. No, no. And, that, and I think that's part of the reason why my parents think that maybe she was in on it. Mm. I feel like she wasn't. But anyway, so that happened. And it was scary. And it was really sad. I don't know if Hopefully you've never had to go through that. Or, and hopefully many of our listeners have never had to walk into their home and see that. But it is a horrible feeling to I walk bet. into your home and see almost everything's gone. Everything's tossed around. All of your pillows on the floor, your clothes everywhere. All the drawers are open. Just a mess. And then I go to my closet upstairs because, of course, at that time, I'm 12 and all I care about are like my dolls and my dresses. Right. And I go upstairs. All of my dresses are missing. All of them. <gasps> oh I had like, my God. <laughs> no. I had a lot of dresses. <laughs> They're all gone. And I was just like, really? They left me all the pants. <laughs> Why? Wow. So what happened? So, you know, we filed a police report. They come in with the fingerprint That's thing and they're yes. dusting everything and they're not doing yeah. anything. Of course. So whatever. The dogs were there. The dogs were fine. The horse was there. Like, hmm. the animals were fine. And also, I don't know, maybe they drugged the dogs so that they could get through. Who knows? We go through the process of filing the police report. My my mom comes home. At the time, my dad was not there, and neither was my brother, because I'll explain later, but they came to the United States first. So mm-hmm. we were, it was just the three ladies, you know, my mom, my sister, and I. So then we go back to the house. We go back to live there. But luckily, my dad had enough sense to tell my mom to reinforce the doors. We had like bars. We had actual steel bars, rods put on the doors, on every door. And we had like (laughs) my parents' room turned into a safe room, the master bedroom. They turned it into like a safe room where like you could bolt yourself in. And so my sister, my mom, and I slept in that room. And also, also just again, I guess luckily, my uncle gave my mom, my mom a, a gun, a revolver, and showed her how to shoot it. And at that point, we got a cell phone. And we had a radio. We had one of those, I don't know if you remember back in the day, those big radios that people Nextel, no? No, no. That was long before Nextel. Like, I'm talking about the radios that you had to have the big antennas for, like, in your building, in yes, your house. Yes, 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 yes. So we had, that was our only way of communicating to the external world. There was no 911. Anyway, so one night, about two weeks after we are all bolted in into the master bedroom, we hear a really loud banging on the door in the kitchen. And then again, so we all jump out of bed and we're like, what the hell's going on? My mom goes, stay here. She grabs the gun. Right. Well, before she leaves, she opens the window in the bedroom, in the master bedroom and shoots out the window. And then it kind of, the noise kind of stops temporarily. And then like, I don't know, 40 seconds later, again, we're like, oh my God, I don't know what my mom, I don't know how she did this, but she left the, she was like, stay here and close it and lock the door. She leaves the, the room. My sister locks the door. She goes downstairs to the kitchen where they're trying to get in, opens the kitchen window and shoots out the kitchen window. And then my sister and I hear them run. Oh. Him or her, whoever, hear them run. And this is late at night? This is in like at two o'clock in the morning. Oh my gosh. Again, no neighbors. So we see a truck pull up. They obviously pick up the offender. 
no cameras back in the day, back in that point, you know, that you could afford to put on your house unless you were a big time. Right. <laughs> you know, well, person. And then at that point, you get just people to protect you. I mean, just to let people know, this is 1996 I'm talking about. So things were different then yeah. <laughs> before social media. Some people were born probably that are listening. Absolutely. So let me bring this into context. This was 1996. There was no social media. There was no internet. The internet was being born. There were no cell phones. Only like people, some people, very, very few people had cell phones and they were really big. Mm. Anyway, so then she comes back and somehow I forget, she tries to get a hold of my uncle. Couldn't get a hold of anybody until the morning. In the morning, you know, we we everything got dealt with. But did she see the people? No, she, I mean, she, once she shot out the window, we heard them run because apparently they realized we were not, you know, bullshitting. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and so they left, thank God. But the part that really, really scares me is that we were home and they knew mm-hmm. that we were home because the car was there. Well, and it was late at night. Well, but before they broke in because no one was home, right? Supposedly. Right. This time, the car is there. The car's there. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And they're coming back after they've already taken a lot of stuff. Now they're coming back for more. Ugh. Yeah, I, I had a tough time. So that's why when I said like some life-changing experiences. For sure. For me to this day, that lives on because... It's horrible. I don't know if anyone's ever been through a situation like that where someone's tried to get into their house while they were there. It's a horrible thing to go through. Yeah. And uh, I have to thank my mom for her bravery because I don't know. I'm pretty sure I was on the toilet at that point <laughs> for the rest of the night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Bueno, y entonces she shot. The next day she got a hold of the uncle. Yeah, we got a hold of the police again, whatever. They came back. And then we ended up having to hire <laughs> this really nice guy who was the, uh, in Mexico, they say velador, mm-hmm. like the nighttime watch, I guess. Yeah. And so he he was outside all night. Watching out. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I have to shout out my, my cousin Rigo because he came over too for the first like week and stayed the and night. And stayed? That's awesome. <laughs> to keep us company. That, that's awesome. Yeah, because I would be terrified. Yeah, it was terrifying. And I'll tell you that the next day after that happened, I started packing my stuff. And we had already discussed that we were moving to the States. So my dad, we were just waiting for summer to come. To finish school and stuff, yeah. Yeah, we were finishing the school year. And the next day, I packed my stuff. And I told my mom, when my my dad comes, I'm going back with him. <laughs> so my dad and my brother moved to the States first because, well, number one, we had friends who owned a big construction company mm-hmm. in, in Ohio. And that really good friend of our family invited my dad to come mm-hmm. on board. That was during the time that there was so much work in Ohio or in the Midwest. There's just construction was everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, the city was just exploding. And so, you know, that was a thriving business. And so he invited my dad. Then my brother because he was in college at the time and his dream was to be an aerospace engineer, he actually found out that Ohio State had a program. And so he decided to go and study at Ohio State. So that's what brought them first. My, you know, my brother was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, <laughs> and start that. So he transferred and him and my dad were in the States for a year before my sister, my mom and I 
join them. It was kind of like a period of, okay, let's see if this is really going to happen. And if it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. And then once they decided that it was going to work, we moved. And again, another, like, <laughs> another life-changing experience as you probably can relate because you have a story <laughs> of changing countries as well. I went to college in the Midwest. Oh yeah. You did go to college in the Midwest. Yeah, well, so yeah. Totally, so. totally different lifestyle. Oh my gosh. So Mexico City, Aguascalientes, mm -hmm. and then Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, yes. Ohio. <laughs> Home of the Buckeyes. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, you're what, 12? 12 and a half. 12 and a half. I, I always like to say that. I don't know why. Those six <laughs> months. So important. <laughs> so you went into what, middle school? Yeah. I came here after graduating sixth grade. In Mexico, we graduate sixth grade. So I came here and we, um, I started the school year in middle school, seventh grade. Yeah, middle school. And, and that's like, I mean, I guess you've gone through puberty at that point. So it's more like adolescence. No, girl, please. That's not? I'm okay. a late bloomer <laughs> in every sense of the word. <laughs> I had not gone through puberty. I was 12 and a half. I was still playing with dolls. Do you know that a whole box of stuff that I brought to the United States when we was moved dolls? was dolls. Aww. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> bueno. So, but how was it for that 12 and a half year old Maribel <laughs> moving into a whole new country with a whole new language? And you probably did learn English in Mexico because, sí. I mean, you know, you do. Yeah, yeah. We were very lucky and blessed to have extremely smart parents who knew the value of an education. So actually, we in Mexico City, we went to Lancaster School, which is a British school. I don't know. My cousins went to Lancaster it. School. Oh, stop. That's fantastic. So we went there. An amazing place, honestly. Just a really diverse group of people. People from all levels of the socioeconomic Every level, yes. Yeah, every every level. Like one of my good friends had an elevator in her house. You For know? sure. So stuff like that. But The three of us learned English since we were in kindergarten. We started and we always attended bilingual schools. So half the day was in English and half the day was in Spanish, which helped tremendously. Mm -hmm. And then in Aguascalientes, I also went to, I, instead of a British school, I went to an American school and did the same thing. Half the day in English, half the day in Spanish. So when we came, when we moved, the language wasn't the biggest thing to get used to. I think that the biggest thing for me to get used to was the culture. It wasn't the language, it was the culture. It's just a different lifestyle and a different way of doing things. When you didn't have the cousins every Thursday anymore. Oh, yeah. No, that was a huge, huge blow. Losing that was really sad to me and my sister, I know for sure, my mom too. Because that sense of family and community that you have in one place, if you can't take it with you, it, it's a big blow. And I de definitely miss that a lot because we, we do have a very close family and we do a lot of things together and we just have big events together. So that was big. That was a big deal, losing that. When I think hearing your story and in the beginning, you said, you know, we've moved here to Florida seven months ago. And yeah. you highlighted that it's the move has been so recent and the what's missing from that move is the community. That was missing also from the previous move. Yeah. So community is so important to you. That it is. Community and family, both. They could be one and the same, but also, you know, you can build community and family through friends, I think. Both of those things are incredibly important to me and to my husband, I think, as well. 
So that is just the hardest part of moving, I think. And anyone could probably relate to that is that you have to leave that community behind. How did you manage that young when you moved to Ohio? How did I manage? (laughs) I don't know if I managed. I think I just lived through it. I think I just kind of got used to it. I cried. There was a lot of crying going on. And the period of adjustment was difficult because, again, I was making new friends. Some of them made fun of my accent. Most of the time, people were nice, though. I I do have to say, like, I didn't suffer a whole lot of hatred until we got older. In high school, there the differences were marked. They were pointed out more than before, I think, Mm. in high school. I think for some reason, kids just become just become more cruel when they totally. were in high school for some reason. In middle school, everyone was just like, oh, how interesting. Where are you from? Oh, okay. Quesada? How would you well, say no, name? but Quesada? Quesada, Quesada. And a lot of them would be like, New Mexico? I know where New Mexico is. No, Mexico. The country. The country. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, my friends didn't even know. They didn't understand where I was from. I think... For people, I have a lot of listeners in the coasts and very few in the middle because it really is a new country. I mean, it, the U.S., <laughs> when they say it's a melting pot, I think it should be divided yeah. by, you know, the middle is a whole new ball game. I mean, it's like you're entering a different place in the universe. <laughs> but it's a wonderful place, too. Because I, I will say, yeah, I will say that while people may not have the same experience as those people living in the coast, they... They're just nicer. I mean, There's I do a lot miss of nice that. People, yes, I do miss that here in South Florida because we have a lot of East Coasters in South Florida. You just know, you know, there's a difference. And when you go to Ohio, when you go to Columbus, there's just a, a really good sense of community, and everyone smiles and says hello. And to me, that that matters. People help each other, and I think that's awesome. Now, when I was growing up in Columbus as an immigrant, I mostly experienced positive things with my friends. They they just asked questions that I think to the average person, they might be like, oh, that's kind of rude. But I didn't see it that way. I just saw it as, oh, they're curious, you know? Right. When I think that when you're younger, you judge others less for their questioning and you are more open to answering. So I agree. I mean, I had someone once be like, when you mentioned the movie, I'm like, maybe they watched the movie. She was like, do you, do you guys still ride on donkeys? In Mexico. <laughs> and I was like, no, we yeah. don't. Like, it's No, it's people a- ask me questions like that all the time. And it's ignorance. It's just ignorance. It is. It's just ignorance. I'm glad that I was able to be a stereotype breaker, <laughs> I guess, to, <laughs> to some degree. I'm glad that I was able to show people that there are different aspects to Mexican people than what they know of a stereotype. And I did. I mean, there were a lot of people who were... I guess, impressed by the fact that I could speak English so well. They were impressed by the pictures that I would show them from my house in Mexico and from the parties and things like that. So that was an interesting transition. But I don't I don't want to bore you guys because I feel like I could talk about this <laughs> for a long time. It, it's just fascinating. Moving to another country is is fascinating. And there are so many things that happen and so many things that you learn. Well, and I think taking it from a positive mindset instead of removing that victim mentality of like, oh, everyone's attacking me. It's more like, well, let me expand your horizons and let me 
opened you up to new ways that you had no idea about, you know, like, let me show you the pictures of my house. So you could see that we owned a horse and just kind of changing their perspective. Somebody once was like, well, that's not my job. And I'm like, well, what is your job? To be angry? I don't know. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. And I think that that's a very good point because that's kind of the way that I grew up. I, I just always remembered to take the questions with an understanding of they're coming from a good place for the most part. The, there came a point where I became a little bit more impatient when it came to people's questions. Like at some point you get sick of answering the question, what are you? Yes, I correct people. I tell them, do you want to know my ethnicity? I don't know. Right, exactly. Now that is the correct response. When I was growing up, at first, when I was younger, I would say, I guess I'm Mexican because that's what was taught to be a response. And then as I grew older, I started <laughs> I started saying I'm human. Yes. <laughs> and um, and now I correct them and I say, oh, you mean where am I from? But I have noticed that that question has it's just not asked as much. And I'm Anymore, glad. Yes. I feel like people have learned that that's not that's not the right question. <laughs> to just ask. not how you question people. What are but jeez, <laughs> man! I, oh my god, that question was so popular back in the day. Oh, another one. Can I touch your hair? Oh, oh your hair is soft. Oh. Well, because you're a curly Mexican girl. Yeah, I have very curly hair, and I'm from Mexico, so I'm brown skinned. So imagine, I'm growing up in Columbus, Ohio, a curly haired brown skinned girl, what do you think people thought? They probably think you're half black, half white. No? Yes, that is exactly what people thought <laughs> <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, because that's predominantly what they live, what they see. So, I mean, they don't know another way. Now, now that you're in Miami, do people think that you're Dominican, Puerto Rican? I don't know. I haven't encountered that question out here very much. Well, it's much more common to see people that look like you. Yeah. Down here, almost everybody speaks Spanish. So most people just say, Oh, then there it is. Where where are you from? Yeah. That's the question that I get. And uh I always answer the question depending on where I where I am. If somebody asks me in Spanish where I'm from, I say de la ciudad de, de México. But if somebody asks me in English where I'm from, I always for some reason I always say, Well, I'm from Mexico City, but I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> because I claim both at this point. I spent so much time in Columbus, Ohio that I, I can't help it. And I love it. I love Columbus. It's a wonderful, wonderful place. So I claim both for some reason in English. It's easier to do it than in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really interesting. But OK, so it's time for a break. Let's take okay. a quick coffee break. It's way past the time. Sorry, I talk a lot. No, I do too. So the coffee of the day comes from Cafe Madeline on my end in San Diego. Cafe Madeline is actually a French coffee shop and they have two locations, one in North Park, San Diego, one in South Park. And I like to go visit them because they have this French vibe, obviously. And I, what am I, if I could eat croissants and French baguettes all day, every day, I would. And so they have both. <laughs> So uh, when I go, I normally try to go on a Sunday morning early, 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 like seven or eight and on a weekend before people wake up and I plan my week and I just take some time to relax because it's one of those, I don't know, the coffee, both of their locations inspire me to just kind of reflect, I guess. So it's pretty good. And I had uh, the last time I was there, not today, but the last time I was there, I had a Mexican mocha which is chocolate abuelita, 
So they make a latte and they put chocolate ahorita. <laughs> and I always ask for it less sweet because I don't know why coffee shops just like to load up yeah. on the sugar. Yeah, yeah. But that was good. Do you drink coffee? I drink everything as far <laughs> as coffee and tea. Yes, I love love coffee and I also love tea. I have a tea collection in my kitchen. Nice. I keep a lot of different varieties handy. And I also really enjoy coffee, but mostly I drink decaf because really, yeah, it's it's a weird thing, but I can't handle a lot of caffeine. It makes me shaky. So I okay. try to only drink decaf or if I drink caffeinated coffee, I go for like a more mild blend. I don't know if that's the correct term. I'll go for something that's not very strong. Super and um, yeah, because I don't know, caffeine just... We don't get along that great. It's great once in a while when I need it, but I don't yes. drink it very often. And I also don't drink coffee every day because it's not great for my stomach. I try to stick to tea. Okay. And what kind of tea do you drink? Mostly herbal. I yeah. love the blends like chamomile and mint, hibiscus, chai, rooibos, a lot of different, <laughs> a lot of different. <laughs> Whatever, you, however you feel, that's when you pick that morning. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of tea, especially when it's colder. Here in Florida, it's never, but I still drink it. I still will make myself a little little cup of tea at night or in the morning, and I like it. It's like one of my favorite things to do is drink my cup of tea and read a book. Nice, 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 nice. Are you drinking any right now? I am. I'm drinking chamomile tea because. That's what was immediately available to me. <laughs> Very nice. I drink chamomile tea something. before I go to bed. Ah, uh, yeah. It's great for sleeping mm -hmm. and it's good for your stomach as well. Mm -hmm. See, so that that's a very, I feel like an abuelita. Oh, deal, right? absolutely. My grandmother. Chamomile tea. Yeah. So my grandmother would give me chamomile tea a lot when my stomach would hurt. And then I have another really cool story about tea, which is another reason why I really love tea is that when I was growing up in Mexico City, My grandparents, my dad's parents are from, were from the city there. They passed, but I would go spend several weeks in the summertime with my with grandparents. Them. Yeah. And we would make, she had this big, it's the same in English, I think, bugambilia. Uh huh. You know, bugambilias. Sí, no sé cómo se dice en inglés, pero la No, I, I think it's the same, actually. Yeah. Because I've asked some people, because down here we have a lot of bugambilia bushes. I think they're more so considered bushes. And they call them bugambilias? Yeah, they call them bugambilias in English, too. Well, they say bugambilia. <laughs> <laughs> so this bush that kind of grows up on walls and a lot of people have it growing on their houses, they're beautiful little red and hot pink flowers. Mm -hmm. My grandma had that in her backyard and we would pick the flowers every day at five o'clock and we would boil them in water and make tea and we would sit down and have five o'clock tea with some cookies. And my grandma would say, like the British. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I thought that's a really good memory that I have. And I love it. I cherish it. And I don't know if maybe that's why I'm such a big tea drinker, but that's just a very special memory for me. Totally. So maybe you, it's kind of like your ritual of honoring your grandma now. Yeah. Yeah. I like to think of it that way. <laughs> So cute. All right, let's get back to the show. <laughs> okay, so lots of moving. I mean, somewhat lots of moving when growing up. So now you're in Florida. Where did you meet your husband? In in Ohio? 
Yeah, we met in Columbus, Ohio through the dating application called Bumble. I don't know if you've heard of it. I've heard of it. I, I was late in the dating. You don't oh, partake? I, no, I don't partake. <laughs> no, I have a partner now. I did oh, use okay. plenty of fish at some point. Okay. And that was just not no, fun. Not for you? No. I've never used plenty of fish. I tried Tinder first which is how I got to my 30 dates in 30 days. I think I mentioned that to you before. I think so. <laughs> so I did this 30 dates in 30 days experiment. And I all of the dates came from Tinder. Yeah, I made my matches on Tinder. It was a fun, interesting, <laughs> hectic month. <laughs> and I blogged about it. What was the goal it. of this? I think at the time, the goal was, can I do it? And will I do it? Like, will I stick to it? And will I write about it? Because I had to write about every single date. It was fascinating. And I had friends, guy friends texting me, when's the next one going to be up? I want to read about your date. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. And I had advisors. So like I picked five of my guy friends and they gave me advice on what, like, what kind of questions to ask the guys and what kind of approach to take with certain ones. And which I just, it was a learning experience. It was just about me learning how to date again. I feel like I was caught up in this vicious cycle of only dating one person at a time, which a lot of people think is the way you date, but I completely disagree. You have to date different people and allow yourself to get to know other people before you can make a decision of who you want to really settle down with and be with. And so let me explain. <laughs> you should be, you should be honest when you're doing that, obviously, you know, as long as you're not exclusive, there's no reason why you can't date other people or multiple people at once. So that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to see if I could actually be able to go out with different guys and get to know different people without getting too attached to one particular person. And it was it was awesome. I was able to do it. And I made some friends out of it. I still keep in touch with one of the guys. We're still friends. Some of them were not happy about it. They were like, I don't want to be friends. <laughs> when <laughs> I told them, <laughs> when I told them about the situation, they were like, yeah, okay, well, I don't want to be friends though. But some of them were cool. And yeah, so that's what Tinder was for. And then months later, many months later, after going through a heartbreak of losing my brother-in-law to cancer, it was a very heartbreaking experience for my whole family. Mm. After that, I went through like a just a period of not feeling like I could even open my heart to anything. And I luckily did open my heart to someone again many months later. And I met my husband on Bumble on another dating application. <laughs> okay. And now, can we talk about biracial dating? Yes. Well, I, I call it intercultural dating. Because I feel like interracial is too limiting and too specific to just focusing on race. When in reality, the issue is not necessarily the race. The issue are the cultural differences. So let's expand. Tell me more about it. <laughs> well, I what can I say? I mean, I, I've only ever really known intercultural dating. When I when I started dating, I lived in the United States. So. There were no Mexican boys in my high school. I only dated primarily white boys and black guys. And I just, I don't know. I mean, I never thought about it. I just liked boys. <laughs> I, 
I've always liked boys since I was little. I had crushes when I was like in first grade. I can still name some of these crushes. And they never liked me. That was one thing that is just so funny to me. I could never get boys to like me. <laughs> I don't know. I well, you got one that loves you now. Yeah, yeah. I was just awkward, I think, growing up. But, you know, I grew up dating people of other cultures my whole life. And I just never really thought it was an issue. And I never thought it was hard until I got married or before we got married. And we started to actually get to know each other on a much deeper level and get to know each other's families. And then we realized like, oh, wow, so many different things going on here. So many different points of view, so many different ways of doing things Mm. and even different ways of approaching certain challenges and certain issues. So yeah, it's something that I'm still exploring because it's a never ending story when it comes to marriage. You're just always getting to know each other. But I love it. I love being married to someone who is not necessarily of my culture because I'm learning so much. And I also, I love the African-American culture. I love it. I have a lot of friends who are African-American and I've always had a lot of respect for the culture and the traditions. And I just really enjoy getting to know it even even better now that I'm married to someone from that culture. So it's been it's been amazing. We both kind of do things now or say things that are new. You've traded. (laughs) Yeah, that we kind of traded. Exactly. Exactly. Like he'll say to me, like, oh, my gosh, you're so black. (laughs) (laughs) Or he's so Mexican. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And or he'll like, you know, we'll be having quesadillas for breakfast randomly. And he'll be like, I would have never in my wildest dreams have thought that I would be having quesadillas for breakfast. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. So when we talked before, we talked about your wedding and how you kind of merged both cultures. How was that? It was amazing. We found a way to bring our cultures together for our wedding, which we have been married almost a year. We got married last September. So we just kind of talked and decided that we wanted to do things our own way. We wanted to be diferente, <laughs> which we'll talk about later. Good and segue. We, Great segue. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and so we, we just blended our cultures the best way we could. We blended the traditions. Like we included the lasso ceremony in the wedding ceremony, which is when you have somebody put a rosary uh-huh, un rosario. Un rosario <laughs> ar- around you guys in a figure eight in the shape of a figure eight they wrap it around you and that symbolizes unity and being one some people would say it symbolizes living a life in the faith of christ it's a catholic tradition right yeah yeah in the catholic tradition because it is a catholic mexican specific i think tradition although in some other cultures and some other countries they do it too but so we used that we wanted to have that in the ceremony and then we also had his sister read a verse and and a prayer and we had our friend marry us because neither of us wanted so i didn't want to be married inside in a church by a priest to the the sadness of my grandmother and <laughs> many other family members, I did not want to get married inside of the church. And I just always wanted to get married outside. And my husband, you know, the other option was to have a minister because mm-hmm. he was raised Baptist. I just didn't feel that connection. And I, you know, having a conversation, we were like, you know, let's just find somebody who we both like 
and understands who we are and can speak to that. So we chose <laughs> one of our friends. His name's Wana Javi and he did an amazing job. It was very personal. Mm. And then we jumped the broom. That was another thing that we included. It was awesome. That's awesome. We had salsa lessons and bachata lessons during the reception. It was just a great time. We had a taco truck late night. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so how are the family blending? Oh, so the families get along really well. We all love each other. I love his family. They're very similar to mine, actually, in the sense that they are close to each mm-hmm. other, that they have each other's back. They try to spend time with each other as much as possible. And um, yeah, I mean, that that specifically is very similar. Like the value of family is high in both of our family. Both of our families really value that. And so that, that was important to me. And my parents get along well with his with his family, with his dad and his sister and aunt and uncle. Everybody really likes each other. We've, we've been very lucky in that sense, because I know that's not always the case for some people. And I'm not saying that the relationship is always perfect, but it's just I do feel very welcomed in his family, very welcomed. And I know he also feels the same way because my family loves him that's awesome. loves him so we're we're happy we're we're great in that sense well congrats because it's really fairly new ish yeah still in the first year that's awesome all right so let's move on to the present so what do you do now <sighs> Where do <we> go? <laughs> let's move on to the podcast <laughs> because you did a segue on that. I get- I'm going to give you a very, very short answer because I, I feel like, again, like I told you before, and if you've listened to my podcast, I always have three jobs. So <laughs> it's easier if I just tell you. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give you the soundbite. <laughs> Perfect. So I'm a media and marketing consultant. Okay. And I do a lot of television production freelance work as well. Also, I'm working on launching my own company right now. And I have a podcast, nice, which is called <laughs> Diferente. And we just launched it in June. I'm very excited about it because it's a passion project for me. And it's been an amazing ride, honestly. A lot of work, more than I ever thought I wanted to put into <laughs> a passion <laughs> podcast, project, yes. especially a podcast. And I have a television background as a producer. So audio is a new thing for me. And especially... Being in front of the microphone, that's a new thing for me, for sure. So it's been a big adjustment, but it has been fabulous. And the reception has been great. I've had some wonderful people on the show. And um, yeah, I'm excited to keep growing with the podcast. I think that we have a lot of great things coming down the road. That's exciting. So tell us about what is the podcast about? My elevator speech. I haven't tightened it up yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Let's see however it comes out. All right. (laughs) So Diferente is a podcast where we talk about life, creativity, business, and culture. All of those things are free game and conversation. But the main thing about Diferente is to explore different perspectives and different points of views that will lead us to grow Mm -hmm. and to learn new things. I named it Diferente because I grew up feeling Diferente, being Diferente, always straddling two cultures, always having to choose one or the other. Couldn't be too Mexican, couldn't be too American. And so finally, as I've grown older and more wise in in my life, 
I feel like I've finally been able to embrace those differences and actually say, you know what? I don't have to pick. I can have both and I can enjoy being a part of both cultures because really I am. I grew up in the States. Actually, I've lived at this point, I've lived in the States longer than in Mexico. So I'm very proud to be from Mexico. I love my country. But at the same time, I'm also proud to be from Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned to embrace that. And that's why I wanted to create a show where we highlight stories and perspectives that are a little bit different and that give us a new outlook on life, culture, creativity, and business. And also to be able to have open dialogue and conversations that sometimes might make us uncomfortable, (laughs) but are necessary to have in order to learn and to grow. I don't want to just be preaching to the choir. I don't want to just be reinforcing the same things that everybody already knows, that every progressive or Latinx person or African-American or other minority person already knows about our culture. I want to bring in new ideas and new opinions and perspectives, not just saying the same old things that we've been taught over and over and over. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So the last three questions. Number one, what do you think love is? Girl, you didn't send me that ahead of time. I know. I do that one on purpose. (laughs) Love is understanding and respecting somebody regardless of their flaws. That's what love is to me. There are many flaws in a lot of the people who I love, including myself, but I still love them and I still love myself. And that's love. It's just understanding that nobody is perfect and being able to work with them and their own quirks and their own unique qualities to be able to grow and create a stronger relationship together. Very nice. See? (laughs) Came out. (laughs) Damn, I'm good. (laughs) I'm ready for Oprah. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And the next one is, do you have un remedio that you want to share? Oh, do I have un remedio? Girl, I have like 50. (laughs) I could give you. (laughs) So a good remedy that I can share with people is the té de cebolla. So that's onion tea. My grandma, my mom's mom, Grandma Chuy, she always, when I'm sick and I have a really bad cough, she'll tell me, hazte de cebolla. So I'll get a uh, red onion or purple in Spanish. We say, (laughs) la cebolla (laughs) morada. So I'll get that that onion and I'll put it in a little pot with water and boil it. You let it boil for a long time until like almost, it almost kind of starts to fall apart. Mm -hmm. And then you drink it with honey and lemon. You make a cup with honey and lemon with the water. You don't have to eat the onion, just (laughs) just drink the water. And it really helps. It really helps with the cough. When you're having a really bad cough and you can't get rid of it, drink de cebolla for like three days in a row and you'll notice that one, no one's going to want to talk to you because you're going to have uh, horrible <laughs> breath. But number two, you're going to feel a lot better. That's good. As long as it works. <laughs> yeah, it does. It works. That's good. <laughs> you know, cebolla y ajo, they're high. They have high content in, in vitamin C. So, I mean, it makes sense. I think that's the other reason. I don't know. You know, when, when abuelas give you remedies or moms, because my mom has tons of remedies too, they never tell you the 
physical or chemical reason for why it's going to help you. They just say, do this and it'll help you. And the the crazy thing is that it really does. Yes. Most of the time, these things do work. Absolutely. You know, Sana Sana Colita de Rana, right? Um, yes. <laughs> so there, there was a study that I read or heard, I don't know where, but somebody studied Sana Sana Colita de Rana and they, they actually saw that when a mom says, like a kid falls and they come back like, oh, I'm a guy. And la mama dice, Sana Sana Colita de Rana, the brain, it's placebo. So the brain switches that to feeling better automatically. So it's healing. I mean, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it makes sense because can I just tell you something very intimate that my husband's probably going <laughs> to be mad about? I mean, you're telling me you're telling the world, so it's fine. <laughs> Whenever he's hurting, he goes, will you sana sana? <laughs> oh my God. So I, I do that. I do it. And he says he, he loves it. He's like, it works. Whatever you do. And he, he calls it Instead of saying sana, sana, colita de rana, he goes, sana, sana de la mañana. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't speak. He's not fluent in Spanish. So he does That's the best he so can. so funny. <laughs> but it works for him. <laughs> that pops all of them. That's awesome. He's oh going to kill me. <laughs> no, we know. <laughs> and the last question, do you have a quote or a mantra or something you live by that you want to share? Yeah. I think this is a new perspective that I've had in the last few years. I've developed this new perspective on life. And that is that everybody has their own unique story. So when we judge people immediately without getting to know them, regardless of how horrible they might seem, because maybe they said something terrible or they did it or they did what seems terrible. We really need to get to know their story because we see the world by who we are in the way that we grew up, by our environment. And so in order to understand the why behind somebody's actions, you have to understand where they came from. And that's something that I'm trying to embrace and I'm trying to remember as I get to know people instead of judging them immediately. Because before, when I was younger, immediately you size somebody up, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as you get to know them or as soon as you meet them, you're already like doing the math in your head. They're wearing red. They must be you know, from the Midwest because they're very nice and but also <laughs> seem really conservative. Do, 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 do. Oh, they might be racist. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> All yeah. these like, calculations are going on in your head. But now, before I do that, I really consciously try to ask myself, okay, are you judging without knowing their story? And I start to ask questions about where they're from, how they grew up. And I like to get to know them instead of judging them. That's something that, I, again, that's another reason why I created Diferente, because I really feel that we need to get to know people's stories. And the only way to have a true opinion that matters and is valid is to have an opinion based on experience instead of basing your opinion on what somebody else said or told you about this or that. You can't actually have an intelligent opinion on something that you haven't actually lived through or experienced. You can only have intelligent opinions once you've actually experienced something or gotten to know someone. And I think that if more people live that way, they would be nicer to each other and we would be kinder and more understanding and probably would be able to resolve a lot of the issues that we have now. But listening, yes, totally. That's what I think. Love it. <laughs> Great ending. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. 